How about that for church? <laughs> Hallelujah. No, I wanted to show that clip because I was studying, and one of the messages the Lord gave me at the very beginning of the month for this series is that if we want to get out of the pit, humility is the ladder of getting out of the pit. When I was studying humility, it means, the word humble means dirt or knees in the dirt. And when I read that, I thought, you know, Indiana Jones, I remember that scene, that would fit just for it. But you know what, God wants to speak to us today that if we want to make it through and get to our destiny, and even for things to go smoother while we're going through the pit, God wants us to learn the power of humility. And one of the things that it teaches in the Old and the New Testament is that it explained, and the rabbis explained it this way, that God upon His throne extends His hand. And if you don't want to be hit, you better be on your knees before the throne of God. If you don't want Him to knock you down, you better be on your knees before the throne of God because you are in the presence of His majesty. And you know what God is wanting is that people are humble before Him. And you know, how many of you ever heard of post-trib, pre-trib? How many of you have ever heard of that? You know, they believe Jesus is coming before the, uh, the tribulation or after the tribulation. Well, I want to talk about pre-pit and post-pit. I want to talk about Joseph before the pit and the Joseph God loved after the pit. You know, when you read about Joseph pre-pit, he was a sassy, arrogant little kid. He'd walk around in his Armani robe, and even when he had to go in the mountains to get his brother, instead of putting camel on, he had to have his pretty robe on. And he'd go around, you know, he says, I'm a dr- I had a dream, and y'all going to bow before me. Then he'd have another dream, and he was, he was known as the dreamer. And as I was meditating on that, how many times we as Christians, as musicians, as workers, whoever we are, we put our identity in our gifts. And our identity is not in our gifts. Our identity is in our heart, who we are. And when Joseph had to go into the pit, he went the 12 years through the pit and he came out. And Pharaoh had heard that he was an interpreter of dreams. When he came out, Pharaoh says, I heard you interpreted dreams. Now the pre-pit Joseph would have said, yes, I've got the gift of interpreting dreams. But the post-pit Joseph said, only God can interpret dreams. My identity is not in my gift, and my identity is in God. And that's something that we can't ever get a hold of. I've known musicians, I've known people, and, and that's what I love about Brother Jake. His identity is not, and he's a, and he's a musician. You, you take a musician down from, even as a worship leader or as part of a band, they'll get mad and quit the church. Why? Because you've taken their identity away from them. Well, if my identity is in my gift, then when I worship, my focus is on me. Because my identity is what I do. I, as a preacher, you take preaching away from me, you take my life away from me, but you don't take away who I am. First of all, I've got my intimacy with God. I know who I am in God. I also know I'm a father. I'm a mother. I'm I'm not a mother. (laughs) I'm a husband to my children's mother. But my identity is not what I wear, not what I drive. It wasn't the coat on Joseph that made him interpret dreams. It was the gift of God. And I can't boast in the gift of God. I can only boast in God and who He is. 
And you know, it's not the clothes that make a person. And as I was meditating on, on these things that I was thinking about, you know, how he was before and how he was after, I, I, I watched Hillsong last night and I was, I've been paying attention. My youngest 12-year-old, he came home the other day. He says, Daddy, I want a tie-dye t-shirt. I want a hippie shirt. And then, you know, hippie's kind of in and I watch Hillsong and I watch Ed Young and, and you know, I watch... Uh, uh, the Passion with Louis Giglio, and you see all these young kids, and they all got this long hair, and, you know, I'm wearing jeans with holes in them, and the bracelets and necklaces, and, and you see all this long hair, and you see this hippie movement on. And I saw another video yesterday where some of the musicians were barefoot being recorded on DVD, and, and you know, some people would say, man, look, it looks like all this young generation is turning into hippies. But listen, all of a sudden, I started thinking. I started thinking about Keith Green in that generation. I started thinking that with a young young people today who have everything are wanting to get back to the simple things. And it was the hippies that started the Jesus movement in the 60s when all the world was into free sex and drugs. And I started thinking, Lord, if you're going to raise up a Joseph and a Joshua generation, if you're going to raise up a Nazarite generation, then what I'm seeing, while other people are saying, look, they're all going hippie, the truth is there's something happening even in the spirit realm to where they're saying the, the, the designer clothes, the looking right, the fitting in right, isn't even the, the fancy cars and this and that is not what life is about. Life is just being free and happy. And when you see these young people crying and they're walking around barefoot and they got these dungy clothes on and this long hair and this dreads and adults are saying, man, they need to get a haircut. Man, they need to get some clothes on. But what's happening is that there is a separation and a circumcision that's going on to where God is raising up a new generation that is not about what I look, how I fit in. It's all about having my identity and having identity in worshiping and being sacrificial unto the Lord my God. And you say, prove that. Well, my Bible tells me that the night of His betrayal, Jesus, God, got up, took His robe off and put on a towel. And the knees of God hit the ground. As He started washing the disciples' feet, the knees of God hit the ground. He started washing the disciples' feet. He started humbling himself. And it says there in, in verse 17, he says, If I, the Son of God, can do this, you act as I act, then you will be blessed in doing this deed. And hum, humility is what promotes and humility is what protects. And what even young people are saying, I've heard all about me and the status quo and about being this and doing that and looking like this and looking like that. And the young people are rising up and I'm seeing a new generation that are saying, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. It's not things that satisfy. I want to give all what's the thing in and be all that he is. And they are going to rock this generation 
When you see 70,000 young people all day in the heat praising God, when you see 22,000 in the rain and it's raining and they're standing in the rain unmoved because they're lost in worshiping God, that's the type of generation that's going to rock this nation back to God. Joseph, pre-pit, I'm the dreamer, my identity, what I am. Is all in my gifting. And when he got in the pit and he went through Potiphar's house and he went through the prison, the identity don't take you through the dark times. Only your identity in Christ can. I'll tell you another example. How about Moses? The Bible says in Genesis, I believe Genesis chapter 2, I mean uh, uh, Exodus chapter 2, One day Moses came out and he knew it was time for him to be the deliverer of his people. He went out and he saw an Egyptian taskmaster treating two Israelites bad. So he went out there, he killed them and he buried them. I'll take care of this. And he buried them. And when he looked at the Israelites, he expected to be their hero. The next day they said, what are you going to do? You're going to kill us just like you killed the Egyptian? And he buried the dead Egyptian in the sand and he started running. And I was reading that. I started thinking about something. Do you know whatever you bury in the sand is going to be exposed again? That's why you can't, that's why you can't put your identity in things that you have and things that you are. It's got to be first and most of all in Christ. Because whatever we end up burying in the sand for others not to see, God's wind is going to blow the sand off and it will be exposed again. Can you think about, can you think of, uh, if you read later on in, in Genesis, I believe chapter 49, it says that Joseph's brothers was before, before Joseph, thinking they were getting ready to die, and they said, all this is upon us because what we did to our brother Joseph. Twelve, thirteen years later, the sand is coming back up on the body of Joseph, and they're saying, we're paying for our sins for what we did to our brother. Can you imagine those 13 years Joseph was going through everything he went through the pit? But can you imagine what them brothers were going? Every time their daddy would tell them, listen to this, go kill a goat for supper. And every time they see that goat bleeding, they think about the blood that spilt and they had to put on Joseph's coat and they think, I don't want to do this anymore. Every time they walk downtown to shop and they see a coat of many colors, don't you know they start thinking about old Joe? Every time they go to Books a Million and they order Joe's mug, they start thinking about old Joe. It just isn't it something that when you do something wrong, when you've done something and you think it's covered, but it's not truly covered and it's not truly dealt with, isn't it something how things start surfacing as life goes by? Oh, I did do that. Oh, I did say that. But aren't you thankful that Christ can set us free? Amen. Amen. So we see that even Jesus made himself of a servant. He got upon his knees and he served his fellow man to humble ourselves. Proverbs 29, 23 says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. I love the message translation. Pride lands you flat on your face. Humility prepares you for honors. Honors. Not just one, but it's plural. Honors. But pride will land you flat on your face. How many ever heard about the pond that was drying up and the two ducks decided it was time to get out of there? 
two ducks was, you know, they, they saw the pond drying up, so they said, you know, we got to get out of here, but we don't want to leave our friend the frog. So they were standing there figuring out what they were going to do, how they were going to get the frog out of the pond. And all of a sudden the frog says, hey, I've got an idea. Why don't you two ducks each grab a hold, each at the end of a stick, and then I'll hold on with my mouth and we'll go to another pond. The duck said, man, that's a good idea. So they found a stick and they each held the end of the stick. And the frog, how many heard this joke? Oh, good. Oh, what a good audience. Some of you just not raising your hand. Anyway, they're holding this stick. These two ducks are holding the stick. And that frog grabs on the middle. And the ducks take off. And man, the ducks are flying. That frog's hanging by its mouth. And all of a sudden, a farmer sees that and goes, boy, that's a good idea. Hey, who thought of that? The frog said, I... <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but how many of you know we open our mouth? Oh, that was me. That was my idea. Why? Because we're looking for identity in the things that we have. And all that's going to do is open the door for pride. Let another's mouth praise you and not your own. Amen? I love what... Oswald St. Chambers said, he said, we hide ourselves among the baggage with emotional baggage of guilt and regret of past failures and sins and old wounds and emotional hurts. Instead of embracing God's calling, we run and hide beneath the baggage of the past. God wants to heal you of that. Always living with the baggage of the past. You know, I've talked to people uh, all through these years. And I wonder many times, why does a certain man, a brother, will end up marrying the same type of wife three or four times? You would think if it didn't work with that type of woman the first time, you change it the second time. Or maybe you try it a second time. If that don't work, then a third time. But four times you marry the same type of woman? But a lot of times what happens is that they, they messed up on the first one. And by marrying the others, they think they're going to try to make it up to the one they cheated on the first time. It's just a continual cycle. I'm trying to fix what I broke. And maybe if I make it up to her, I can fix it with that one. How many of you know only Jesus can heal and forgive and cover the things that we've done in the past? Moses thought that he could fix it with by himself, but he couldn't. The Bible says in Proverbs 8.13, The fear of the Lord... Is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way. You know, how many of you know that if I'm walking in pride, I'm trusting me. And when I'm trusting me, I can't trust God. And only God's the one who can get us through. Proverbs 11, 2 through 3. Proverbs 11, 2 through 3. When pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright will guide them. I love the message translation. The stuck up. Don't you, you ever met stuck up people? The stuck up fall flat on their stuck up faces. It don't say stuck up face. I added that part. But it does say the stuck up fall on their faces. But down to earth people. Aren't you glad we're down to earth? About half of us. But down to earth people stand firm. But I love verse one where it says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. But a just weight, it is His delight. A balance. A balance. How I many you know everything needs to be balanced? 
And you know, it's true. How many know the Bible says we are a royal generation? We're kings and priests unto the Lord. Amen. Oh, hallelujah, boy. We could preach on, man, knowing who you are, that you're royalty. You got the divine blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God that we are royalty, that we are kings. We're called to rule and reign in this life. But how many of you know that that is our identity in Christ? But a wrong balance is we know our identity, but we're supposed to be humble about it. It's to know our identity, but yet to respond to it in humility. Now, how many of you know there's a balance? I mean, you can't get into low self-esteem about how I'm unworthy and I'm no good. No, he's made you worthy through his blood. But you've got to understand you are a king and a child of Jesus Christ. You are royalty. But it's to be humble about it and not be prideful about it. Back in the 70s in the big faith movement, charismatic movement, you know, if somebody would get a brand new car, they'd get a bumper sticker and they, uh, a license plate and they would put on the front say, faith in or prayed for. And it was all about, look what I got with my faith. My faith got me this. All bragging about the fa- their faith and what their faith done. How I many know I'm bragging? I will boast in the Lord only, Paul said. It's not what I got with my faith. It's about how gracious and how big my God is. My identity is not talking about how many cars, how many airplanes, how much I got, how much I gave away, how much my dog cost. You know, I didn't have a $15,000 dog, but we bought a pretty good dog from Sister Denise a while back, uh, years back. Paid, I think, $400, $350 for the dog. $450 for the dog. You know what? After a few years, the dog disappeared. There goes 450. Whoop! Somebody. Either somebody took our dog or a hawk took our dog. Something happened to that dog. But that dog took. Can you imagine $15,000 for a dog? I think I might go get that dog. Low self esteem, a balance. Look at Proverbs 16 18. It says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The message translation says, First pride. Then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder they fall. How many of you, I don't want to fall no more than I have to. Now, some of you might remember the story, but it's been a few years since I've told it, so I'm going to tell it again. Because it's about me. <laughs> and uh, we just got to Belize and... You know, all the missionaries there said, you know, they saw us. My wife was 17. I had just turned 19 and we were living in the jungles in a shack and, and just all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you know, God started doing miracles. We started seeing witch doctors converted. We started raising up churches. We raised up 22 churches. People were getting healed. So many miracles were happening. Demon-possessed people were getting freed. Even uh, uh, this one girl that was well-known for being demon-possessed in the village of Columbia got freed of demons. And, and all, God was just doing so many wonderful things. Even the local newspaper wanted to start putting the testimonies in the newspaper because it was going about with all these miracles God was doing. So this uh, other missionary, Brother Holly, came by one day and he says, there's this girl in the uh, hospital and the hospital is a jungle hospital. I mean, everything's falling down, no air conditioning, mosquitoes, bugs, flies, you name it, in that jungle heat. And they, he said, would you come help me pray for this girl with leukemia? So I said, I'll be glad to. And I didn't know, but he invited this, the, the missionary gossip of Toledo District, Rodney Bells. Oh, that guy could not keep a secret for nothing. And he was going with us. So I get in the vehicle and I start imagining, and I, in my mind I'm thinking, I'm going to walk in there, 
And I'm going to lay hands on that girl dying of leukemia. And the power of God's going to hit that girl. And she's going to come out of that bed hole. And oh, God's going to get the glory. And she's going to be healed. And I was just thinking, I'm God's man. Bless God. Just like Teal Osborne always said, you can't preach it unless you can prove it. So I'm going in that hospital to prove it. And boy, I had all this stuff worked up. And I was worked up. And I was ready to go. And I go in that hospital. And Brother Holly was a short little man. And he'd bite his lip. He was real nervous. If I was married to his wife, I would have been too. And skin was just hanging off of his lip. And he was standing right here, just a short little man about that high. And then Brother Rodney was next to me, and I was standing in the middle. And I, we, we were waiting for the nurses to finish with the girl. They were trying to put a needle in her arm. And while they were doing that, I was watching. And I don't know what happened. Next thing I know is that I'm in a corner in a chair... And I open my eyes, and it's just me and her in the room. And she's on her stomach, and she's looking at me. And I'm in this chair, and I'm looking at her, and I pass out again. And I don't know how long I had been passed out, God's man of the hour. And after a while, I came to again. And finally, I was able to get my head up. And I guess I, color started coming back in my face. And when I, I started thinking, oh, they're going to be outside waiting and laugh at me. And finally I got up and I walked up to that. I remembered Shambach's message. So I walked up to that girl and I said, you don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. <laughs> and I prayed for her. And when I walked out the door, the nurses were going, that's him. That's him. And the doctor started laughing. Brother Holly and Rodney was laughing. And uh, we walked outside, and I was getting in the vehicle to go home. And I said, Rodney, we'll see you later. And Rodney says, oh, no, I ain't going to miss this for the world. I'm going home with you. I want to see what your wife has to say about this. I said, no, don't tell nobody. Don't, don't come to my house. He says, I'm going to your house. And he had a brand new dance, and he beat us to the house. And we got down, and Rodney was there, Cindy, you'll never guess what happened. I had passed out on top of the little missionary, and we both fell down. And the nurses left the lady in the bed, picked me up, and dragged me in a chair in a corner. I went to pray for her, and the nurses had to leave her to come take care of me. Pride comes before the fall. The bigger the eagle, the harder they fall. And I will never forget that lesson. Can you imagine I come to visit you in the hospital and pass out on you and they got to leave you to come take care of me? Oh, but it made me pray and search my heart. Because how could God continue using us and anointing me if it was all about me? But it's all about Him. He's the healer. He's the glorious one. And my identity was not in the miracles. That's His identity. My identity was not in the provision or, or how well I could preach or what I could do. Even in the churches we raised, that wasn't my identity. That was His grace working through me. My identity... Is how I respond when things are going hard and things are going rough. My identity is what my kids see and how my wife is treated. My identity is my heart before God. 
Therefore, I have nothing to boast about. Nothing. But it's all Him that does it all. It's not about us. It's about Him. And if we can keep that balance and we can say, yes, Lord, I am a priest and a king in this life through Christ Jesus. But Lord, I take that responsibility humbly knowing it's all You and Your power and Your grace. Amen? Jeremiah 49.16 says, You think you're so great strutting across the stage of history, acting like a king of the mountain. You think you're above it all, don't you? Well, you're headed for a fall, and I'll bring you crashing to the ground. God decree. How many know He uses the weak things to confound the wise? He uses the weak things to confound the wise. It's not about strutting our stuff and it's not about what we've done or what we're going to do, but it's all about what God has done and what He is going to do. When I talk to people like I did the other day, this lady in this business, and I talk to this man and when I'm ministering to people, I say, Lord, it's not me I want them to hear. I want them to hear you. They're in need. It's not about me taking an opportunity even to tell my own testimony about what God did for me. It's about what God wants to do for you. What He did for someone in the Word, what He did for someone in this church, He can do for you. Amen? Humility is the key to the future. Matthew twenty three twelve. this is what Jesus said. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself, humbles himself, he will be exalted. I mean, it says that he hates seven things. God hates seven things. And he hates pride. And you know, like I told you this story, and uh, I mean, I've got two or three more. Every time I get up here, I humble myself with some of the words I use. Honey, I can't, my wife tells me on the way home, honey, I can't believe you said that. But you know, every chance we get to humble ourselves, not my identity, but what I've done, and oh, I used to do this, I used to do that. When we just humble ourselves and take the opportunity, sometimes just to tell on ourselves. I remember when I went in 1985, I went, in 1986, I went to spy out the land in Argentina. And we went and stayed with this missionary family. And I went in their bathroom, and uh, a lot of the houses down there have bidets. How many know what those bidets are? Those are those other things that shoot water up and everything? Well, I never saw one before. I've been in the jungle for years. I never saw that. But, you know, I'm curious. What is this thing? So I'm staying in there a while trying to figure out, how, what is this? Well, it's got a knob, so I guess you turn it. And I turned that knob, and, you know, I just don't do things halfway. I turned that knob, and then I took a shower in my face. I mean, I was wet all over, you know. How do you turn this off? Then I turned the hot on, and, oh. And we had about five evangelists who were there for this retreat we were doing. And one was my friend, a Puerto Rican, and I said, oh, God, here we go again. And I walked out and my hair standing up and I'm all red and white and, oh man, water just running down. And some of them start going, the Americans start going, what happened to you? And the missionary's wife, Sister Adam, she started laughing. She says, you were playing with the bidet. I said, I wasn't playing with it. What is it? But how many of you know, 
preachers, anybody, we don't always have to sound like we have it all together because guess what? We don't! (laughs) And sometimes it's all right to tell humbling experiences because it keeps us humble. You, you've had, you got a bidet, Peggy. <laughs> you know what people are looking for? They're looking for real. More and more, they're not impressed with big things and this. People want real. They tell me all the time, we want real. We want real. I can't impress them with my English. I can't impress with this and that and the other. But you know what? I can't impress, but maybe I can touch if I'm real. You can touch people if you're real. People are drawn to humility. People are drawn to people who are real. Because they can identify with you, which connects them to identifying with Jesus. That's how we expand the wisdom of the, the kingdom of God. Amen. Let me get back up here and finish. I think that's enough stories on me. But pride keeps our strong, keeps us out of the strongholds and the pits. I mean, humility. It helps us get delivered from, from addictions and humility sets us free because it takes a humble person to say, I need deliverance. I need healing. I need the Word. I don't know it all. It's not working for me. What am I doing wrong? Father, search my heart. What's wrong with me? It takes a humble person to see that. Humility is thinking modesty of ourselves, that we must humble ourselves. And how many know He knows how to humble the pride, proudful. He's, in fact, he says in his word over and over again, humble yourselves. But this is what he also says in other places. If you don't know how to humble yourself, I can do it. If you don't know how to humble yourself, I know how to humble you. I know how to deal with you because he knows our hearts. And him humbling us is just to teach us how to trust him. How many of you know? He doesn't humble us to hurt us. When he told the rich young ruler, go and sell all that you have. He wasn't trying to hurt the young man. He was trying to teach him. Stop having your identity and stop trusting in riches. Sell everything. Not that I want you poor. Come and follow me. And I'll give you riches you've never known. Humility and the walk in the Spirit is learning to trust God and allow Him to be God. Zephaniah 2 verse 3 says, Seek the Lord, all you who are humble, and follow His commands. Seek to do what is right and to live humbly. Perhaps even yet the Lord will protect you and protect you from His anger on that day of destruction. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me share a few scriptures with you before we close. 1 Peter chapter 5. Verse 5, 1 Peter 5, verse 5. You know, when John the Baptist said, I must decrease that he must increase, that's voluntarily. 
Lord, I voluntarily humble myself. You said you love and you protect the humble. I voluntarily humble myself. And it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Amen. He performs these miracles and works in our life so that we can learn to humble ourselves. Oswald Chambers also said, God's method always seems to be vision first, then reality. But in between the vision and the reality, there is often a deep valley of humiliation. How often has a faithful soul been plunged into the darkness after the vision has come the test? And I want you to look with me Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read this about Christ, who is our guide who's our teacher in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let us esteem others better than himself. That word there, vain conceit, means empty glory. Just empty. Verse 4 says, Let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also in the interest of others. Now look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now I just want to stop right there for a little while. You may be asking, why am I going through what I'm going through? Why did I go through that yesterday? Why have I been going through this all week or all month? What is going on? Sometimes we have to stay in the pit till we get the mind of Christ. We meditate upon the Word of God. We study the Word of God. We hear the Word of God preached. But sometimes it takes a pit. A pit for me to really get serious and start working on my heart and my attitude for a true change to happen. Sometimes it takes the pit to get me where I need to get to let Christ have His way in me. And until I, I accomplish that, until I humble myself and I'm in that pit long enough, till I have the mind of Christ on how to forgive, how to love, even how to forgive Potiphar. Maybe you're working with a Potiphar who's not treating you right. Maybe you're working in a place that's just totally miserable and it just seems like, how much can I take? Maybe you are there till you have the mind of Christ. And what is the mind of Christ? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God or being God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Look at verse 9. Therefore God hath also highly exalted him. Say that with me, highly exalted. This word highly exalted is only used one time in the Bible and is right here. It is the word hyper. He is hyper exalted. He is exalted as exalted as you can be. 
He is a highly exalted one. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter that if we humble ourselves, He will exalt us. That word exalt is just to exalt. But Jesus is hyper or highly exalted. He's the exalted one. Amen? And verse, verse 7, look at verse 7. It says, But He made Himself of no reputation, taken on the form of a servant coming in the likeness of men. How I many know He paid the price? Amen? When we go through things, we've got to have a good attitude, just like Joseph had a good attitude, so we can be exalted. It says, humble yourself. That word humble means knees to earth. If we've been treated wrongly, sometimes it's just to make us get on our knees and seek God. Why am I going through this? What's happening in my life? But you know, God is swinging His arm and He says, if you want to stand in my presence, then you've got to be on your knees. Can we put that clip up? I want to show you just something right here about a 12-year-old boy. His name is Gabriel. He's Down syndrome. And they've worked all these years. He's got seizures and just a hard life. And one day his mother and father came in the room and he was playing a hymn on his little toy piano. Never had a piano lesson in his life. But they've been trying to teach him how to spell his name Gabriel. And all, at 12 years, all he's been able to do is G-O-D, period. And the mom and dad would go around, I don't understand this. You know, uh, why, why is our child not getting better? You know, he, he can't even spell his own name. But one day his mother was looking and she says, you know what? He's trying to tell us something. It's all about God, period. It's all about God, period. But my feelings, God, period. But what I want, God, period. But what I need, God, period. About my ministry, God, period. But my identity, God, period. But what about my marriage, God, period. Until we can get to the point where we don't understand with uh, things in the natural mind, we're in that pit. We've got to understand it's all about God, period. It's not a comma, God and you. It's all about God. And when we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I don't understand this. I'm going through it. I feel like I'm dying. I'm bleeding on the inside. But I know one thing. I gave you my life. I've given you my all. And no matter how I feel, God, it's you, period. It's you, period. It's you, God. It's you, God. You, God. I'm not even going to say what they said. I just forgive them because it's not about me. It's about you, God. I thank you for the criticism. I thank you for the words that were told me. Because it got me on my knees before you. I thank you for the attitudes that broke my heart. Because it brought me to spend time with you. To seek my heart. To humble myself before. Lord, why am I responding this way? Why did I say that? Lord, I said that. There's a root of pride in me. I thought that. There's a root of pride in me. It's about God, period. It's about God. I want you to just close your eyes. You may say, I don't understand it, but God. It just doesn't seem fair. God, period. Who am I going to turn to? God, period. 
arm of man is weak. Man can't help you through everything that you may need help of today. But God, period. God can strengthen you. God can help you. God can bless you. This world puts so much emphasis on an image, strength, possessions. But it's like they say, none of that stuff can go with you when you go. It's just you and God, period. You're here today and you say, my life is not right with Christ. I need Him to my heart as my Lord and Savior. I need to surrender my life to Him. I need acceptance Him to my heart as my Lord and Savior. If I die right now, I don't know if I'd go to heaven or not. If that's you, I want to invite you to raise your hand right there where you are. Just raise your hand right there where you are. I need Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Christians pray. Anyone at today, you're hurt. You've been wounded. You're crying out for help. You're born again, but yet you just feel so tired of the fight and the battle. If that's you, would you stand where you are? Now, I want to pray for you. Just stand right there where you are. Just stand right there where you are. I need prayer. I'm hurting. 